Um, and we want to continue to pray for you as the devil uh, may sometimes may not know that he's defeated, but he's defeated. Amen. He continues to try to attack us. And I declare that over everyone's life under the sound of my voice. In this Passion Week, we are finally at the Passion Week. Um, we started Passion Week Sunday when Jesus triumphantly rode into the holy city of David, an out-of-control mob waved palm branches, saying, Hosanna, blessed be he who come in the name of the Lord. Hosanna means, Lord, save now, save now. And they were very excited um, to see Jesus. And we know less than a week later, some of those same folk who were shouting Hosanna were shouting crucify him as they released a murderous Barabbas over the Lamb of God. Um, so tonight, brothers and sisters, I want to continue in that vein, to continue in that vein. And before I get into the lesson, I want to remind everyone that I will be preaching tomorrow night at Community Access. It's on West Grand Street. Um, you can ask anybody where community access is. I just don't have the, the address with me handy. At, um, the email went out yesterday, and there was an error, and the error was my fault. I told Sister Rutland to send out that the service starts at 630, but it actually starts at 6 o'clock. I got a call today from the officials there to make sure I was coming, and um, they said 6 o'clock. They wanted me to be there quarter to 6, but the service is actually going to start at uh, 6 o'clock. And it's going to be an interesting service because, you know, it's Passover season also, and there's going to be a rabbi there um, setting up the Passover meal and stuff like that, um, and he's teaching the clients for uh, community access uh, about the Passover and why Jews celebrate the Passover. And they, then they asked me to come and talk about why Christians celebrate Easter, or as we refer to it as Resurrection Sunday. And as you and I know, that is the holiest day um, on our Christian calendar. If there is no resurrection, there is no um, Christianity. Amen. Um, first lady is getting that address for me. And then on Friday, um, as we have every good Friday, we have the seven last words of Jesus from the cross. Your pastor will be preaching the first word, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And um, that's coming, uh, that's going to be on Broad Street uh, at the First Presbyterian Church right next to the Union County Courthouse. Um, and parking, free parking is, or, uh, by the McDonald's and back in the McDonald's, there's a parking garage there that you can park at. And um, the parking meter people, the folk who give out the tickets, they are off on Good Friday. Thank God. Thank God for that. But community access, tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, the address is 80 West Grand Street. It's 80 West Grand Street. Just come in and let them know that you're going to the, to the service, um, and they'll usher you in. Amen. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to study and to hear and to be doers of your word, God. We thank you, God, for you sending your son Jesus in this season that we celebrate called Passion Week and the resurrection of, the, of Jesus from the cross, oh God, hallelujah, from the dead, oh God, and how you allowed him to get up out of that grave three days after he 
stayed there, oh God, with all authority in his hands, oh God. And Father, we're excited about what you're going to do in these last few days of this Passion Week. For the last 40 days, God, we've been celebrating the Lent season. Father, some of us have been sacrificing and trying to change old ways and bad habits or things that we know that we need to do to improve our health and our not just our physical health, God, but our spiritual health and our mental health. And I pray, God, for your people. Father, I thank you for how we've been having wonderful services celebrating the 14th anniversary of the pastor and the first lady, God, and this marriage between the pastor and the people, oh God, of Second Macedonia Baptist Church, God. Father, we are in a good season at Second Macedonia, God. You're adding to our church, God. And, Father, we pray against negativity. We pray against anyone that would run folk out of the church because of looks, because of attitudes. And, Father, we don't jockey for position. Father, we have one pastor, and we have some leaders, oh, God, but we have members. And as Pastor White said on Sunday, God, or someone complimented his message, oh, God, and it was a great message. But one of the things that I love that he said that made me shout is that the shepherd is not responsible for bringing folk in the church, it's the sheep. So help me to build your sheep up, God, so that they would do what sheep do. They would beget other sheep, oh God, other sheep, oh God. Help them to speak in a way that one would be attracted to their words and want to come and be a part of the ministry that they're talking about. Help them to walk right, God, and to speak right, God. Help them to do right. Help someone to be attracted to the God that they say they love, oh God. Help them to speak words of positivity and not negativity, oh God. And Father, we rebuke any spirit in our ministry, in our church, God, any spirit that is not of unity, that is not of togetherness. We rebuke any big eyes, oh God, anyone who thinks they're better than anyone, God. We rebuke anyone who thinks they're lower than anyone. We come against self, low self-esteem, God. And Father, we pray that you would continue to bless us and lift us up and make us stronger, I'm not necessarily talking about numbers, God. I'm talking about being strong in the spirit so that we will fight. We say a special prayer tonight, God, for Sister, for Deacon Beverly Cooper, God. We know she wanted to be there Sunday, God, but the enemy attacked her body, God. And Father, we just declare total healing in her life, God. We pray for, oh, God, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for all of those who are sick and shut in. We pray for Sister uh, Jamie Bracey, who First Lady wants to visit today, God, who's been in the nursing home a long time, God. And we just ask God that you continue to bless her, God. Everyone who's under the sound of my voice, anyone under the sound of my voice who knows someone who needs prayer, we pray for them, oh, God. Father, I just got in from work, God, and you know I had a challenging day, not a rough day, because, God, you walked with me and you talked with me, so you made it better. But I pray for those people who are feeling as though they're being discriminated against. I feel as though, I pray for those people who feel as though there's no use to fight because uh, the fix is in, oh God. Help them to get to know your son Jesus and know that he, he can fix anything and that he can change anything. I pray for those who are suffering with mental illness tonight, God. I pray, oh God, in the name of Jesus, God, for those leaders of every church, I pray for the Pope, even though I'm a Protestant and I don't believe that he's the pontiff, and according to your word, God, but we respect him because he leads over a billion people, God. We, we pray for him. We pray for the attack 
that are coming against them, God. We pray for the Catholic Church, God, and all the sex abuse um, issues that are, that are that's going on, God. Father, we ask that you touch those who have been abused. We ask you to touch the abuser so that they might be healed and delivered from the disease of whatever that pedophilia, that, that demon, oh, God. We, we rebuke that demon, God. So, Father, as we study about the suffering of Jesus, oh, God, on this Passion Week, on this Hallelujah. Last Bible study before Resurrection Sunday, we ask that my words are clear, that your people have their pens and paper, that they have their Bibles, that they will follow along with me, not just uh, listen and, and um, attentively, not just li- listen attentively, but actually study the word to show themselves approved. Because workmen need not be ashamed. We're rightfully dividing the word of truth. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. All right, everyone should be on mute. So let's get started in Matthew 26, starting at verse 36. Matthew 26, starting in verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them into the place called Gethsemane, and said unto the disciples, Take ye here, while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then said he unto them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Carry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep, and said unto Peter, Would, uh, what? Could ye not wait or watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Word of God for the people of God. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Today, tonight, this afternoon, whatever we, wherever we are in time, tonight I want to talk to you as the Lord shall guide me from the subject the suffering plural, of Jesus, the sufferings of Jesus. Most people just get out of the scene there at the Garden of Gethsemane, that saying that Jesus said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but thou will be done. There's a whole lot more than that going on in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was attacked by the enemy. As a matter of fact, as Jesus said that his heart is heavy and exceedingly sorrowful, what Jesus was revealing to his disciples is that he was under attack by the enemy. See, brothers and sisters, Satan was trying to kill Jesus before he got to the cross because Satan understood that if he be lifted up from the earth, he would draw all men unto him. Satan understood if Jesus died on the cross, he would die that we might live. He would die that we might be forgiven. He might die that we might have the right to cheat of life. If Jesus died, Satan knew that we would be redeemed back into the great and good relationship with God the Father. Okay? So tonight, um, there are some things or some words I want you to really write down, and I'm going to spell them for you just to make sure you got the right spelling when you look them up, um, that are very essential to our understanding of the, of the scriptures and the study tonight. 
There are three words, and these three words are given in the New Testament in connection with the suffering and death of Jesus that would do well for us to remember them. These three words are Gethsemane. Gethsemane is spelled G-E-T-H-S-E-M-A-N-E. Again, G-E-T-H-S as in Sam, E-M-A-N as in Nancy, E. That's the first word. The second word is Gabbatha, which is spelled G as in girl, A-B-B-A-T-H-A. And the third and last word is Galgatha, spelled G-O-L-G-O-T-H-A. Brothers and sisters, these uh, three words are all the names of places where Jesus suffered. By looking at each of these, we can get or arrive at a better understanding of what Jesus suffered on our behalf because In each of these places, brothers and sisters, you need to understand that Jesus suffered a different kind of pain, a different, and at different hands. I want to look at these three places tonight and try to understand a little better what Jesus suffered for you and for me. Okay, Sister Winchester, you're making too much noise, honey. I thought you said you were going to be quiet. I need you to put your phone down and stop moving it, please, because... It's very distracting to me. Thank you, honey. I'm not. I'm okay. not. I'm not. Okay, Sister Winchester. I'm not. No, I'm not. Okay, I just need you to put your phone down because it's not me. It has to be you because everybody else is on it's me. It's not me. It's okay. not me, Lauren, dear. Okay, Sister Winchester, just put your phone down, and I think we won't have that, that noise. Just put it down and listen to it, okay? You don't have to hold it. Okay. Put it, you can listen, you can hear me when you put it down. Okay, so as I was saying, I want you to understand tonight, and I want us to understand a little better what Jesus suffered for you and for me. Notice with me, number one, Gethsemane, the first word I gave you. He suffered at the hands of Satan. In Gethsemane, Jesus suffered at the hands of Satan. I read for you the scripture, Matthew 26, 36 to 46. And I want you to focus on that in your study as we go forward. Jesus felt the full impact, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, of Satan's attack in Gethsemane. In Luke 4 and 13, let me read that, Luke 4 and 13. And when the devil had entered, when the devil had in, ended, pardon me, all the temptations, he departed from him for a season. No doubt Satan attempted to murder the Savior in the garden to prevent his blood from being shed on the cross. Satan may have tempted the Lord uh, to back away from the cross. He was trying to tempt him to back away from his assignment. And I know I'm talking to some people who God has given you an assignment and Satan has reared his ugly head in your life and tried to stop you, scare you, or convince you either that it was not worth it or that you couldn't do it. But I stand witness here tonight over this phone to tell you that you can do all things through Christ. And if God gave it to you to do, God will give you the power to do it. Okay? So dealing with this, Jesus was totally submissive to his Father's will. The content of the cup 
that Jesus said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup. It's not a cup that you drink wine from. It's a cup of suffering, okay? It's not, uh, it's, a cup, it, it, it's not a cup of suffering, pardon me, not a cup of death, but the cup of sin, my sin and your sin. Jesus was getting ready to drink the cup of sin for all of us. He was getting ready to take our sins upon him, and he was getting ready to die in our place because the wages of sin is death. He took that cup of sin to die for us so that we might not have to die in sin and go to hell. Let me give you a few scriptures, brothers and sisters, that um, will help you. Mark 14 and 33. Let me just read that one. I'm going to give you a couple more scriptures, but let me just read this one. Mark 14 and 33 says, And he took with him Peter and James and John, began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy, suddenly struck with a, with, um, a pride, terror. Jesus, when he got to the Garden of Gethsemane, he felt the very power in the presence of the enemy trying to dissuade him from going to the cross. Matthew 26 and 37, it describes Jesus' position or Jesus' attitude or the way he felt was very heavy. He felt very heavy. He was weighed down with the feeling of uncertainty and acute distress. Amen. I didn't say fear, but he said the Bible tells us that it was distress and it was uncertainty. It was an acute distress and it was uncertainty. Matthew 26 and 38 says, Exceeding sor- exceedingly sorrowful unto death. He was surrounded by grief to the degree that it threatened his very life. In the garden, this is how Jesus felt. He was surrounded by exceedingly sorrow unto death. He was surrounded by grief to the degree that it threatened his very life. This is how Jesus felt in the garden. He is more than just, Father, take this cup. It's more than that, not my will, but thy will be done. It was that Jesus felt the attempts of the enemy to dissuade him from his assignment. Satan, in other words, brothers and sisters, tried to kill Jesus before he got to Golgotha. Amen. Uh, Through all of this, Jesus was victorious. The Father helped him. Okay, let's look at Luke twenty-two forty-three. And again, I want to go slow enough so you can write this down and hopefully study it for the rest of the week. Luke twenty-two forty-three. it says, And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Many of you who pay attention after we have communion, I always tell this story. And part of the story, when I get to the Garden of Gethsemane, I said, Jesus there, he said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup. If you remember, every first Sunday I say the same thing, this old, old story that we don't get tired of telling because it's history and it's something as Christians we ought to know and be able to recite to our own children. And what I say to you is what I just read for you. When after he said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup, of sin from me, this cup of suffering for the sins of humanity. And then he said, nevertheless, not my will be done. The father heard his prayer, and there appeared unto him angels. God sent some angels unto him from heaven. And what did they do? They strengthened the Lord. Just like Jesus, when we get in situations where we are certain and we feel the fire and we feel the pain and we feel the distress that Satan tries to put on us, God will send you help. 
Hallelujah. He will send you help. I know I have somebody, and I know you can't say anything because you're on mute, but just say amen um, so the devil can hear you. Hallelujah. There have been times in my life where Satan tried to trick me, Satan tried to make me uncertain, and I prayed to the Father, and he sent help, okay? So let me look, give you another scripture. In Hebrews 5 and 7, it says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he uh, offered up prayers and supplications with strong cries and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. In other words, the, the writer of Hebrews is letting us know, brothers and sisters, that we need to learn how to pray in supplications and strong crying out to the Lord with, with, the Lord with strength. Amen. Hallelujah. Prayer works. He is qualified to help you in your times of temptation. Who is qualified to help you? The Lord, of course. For we have not a high priest, and this is in Hebrews 5 and 15, and I love this scripture. For we have not a high priest which cannot touch, which cannot be touched, pardon me, with the feeling of our infirmity, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Hallelujah. That's why we love Jesus, because he is not a high priest that cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmity. He struggled, and he went through a lot of things that we do. He was tempted. He was brokenhearted. Jesus wept. Glory to God. He was lied on. He was rejected, just like some of us are and were and will be in the future. But be of good cheer, for he has overcome the world. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus felt the full impact of sin's curse. In Gethsemane, he felt that whole weight of mankind's sin and the curse of sin. Sin brought a curse upon the earth and upon mankind. Now, it's important for me to read this scripture because I want you to understand this and really study this, those of you who are online. And in Genesis three seventeen it says, And when and unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, Adam, saying he never said he commanded thee, he said, I commanded you, Adam, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shall thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, in other words, until you die. For out of it was thou taken, for the dust thou art, uh, thou art, and unto the dust thou shalt return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make coats of skin and clothe them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest, lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden. Powerful scripture, study that on your own. In Gethsemane, Jesus laid upon Jesus laid upon cursed 
ground and in sweat and sorrow won the victory over sin and its curse. Drops of blood. Let's look at drops of blood. Luke 22 and 44 says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. We talk about that, too, on Communion Sunday when we end up, and I give you that story. Amen. Gethsemane means oil press. In the garden, Jesus was pressed by all the hell could place upon him, and still he conquered with you and me on his mind. Hallelujah. That's enough to love him right there. He could have gave up. Hallelujah. He could have said, Father, I'm not taking this cup. But he pressed on in spite of everything the devil tried to do to him. So that first word that I gave you tonight was Gethsemane. That's the place where Jesus suffered at the hands of, hallelujah, Satan. Uh, Thank you, Jesus. Satan tried to kill him, but we know Satan did not kill him because Satan couldn't kill him because God had an assignment for him. And God was with him every step of the way. They did not take Jesus' life. They didn't make Jesus go to the garden. They didn't make Jesus go to the cross. Jesus did it willingly. He gave up his life for us. Now, the second word is Gabbatha, G-A-B-B-A-T-H-A, G-A-B-B-A-T-H-A. At Gabbatha, or Gabbatha, whatever you want to call it, suffering, he suffered at the hand of sinners. Look with me, if you will, to the, Gospel of John 19, 1 through 13. 1 through 13. I'm going to read most of it. Then Pilate, therefore, took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers planted a crown of thorns. By the way, they say that the crown of thorns that Jesus wore was in that um, cathedral of Notre Dame that burnt in France, but they said they saved the crown of thorns that was placed on Jesus' head. Thank you, Jesus. That is a very important item, an artifact that the Christian church ought to be thankful that was saved from that fire they had yesterday in France at the Cathedral of Notre Dame, 800-year-old cathedral. And the soldiers planted a a crown of thorn and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews, and they smote him with their hands. Pilate, therefore, went forth again and said unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, and ye may know, and I bring him forth to you, pardon me, that ye may know that I find no fault with him. See, Pilate wanted to just whip Jesus, rough him up a little bit, but let him live. But it was the religious leaders who wanted Jesus dead, okay? Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, And Pilate said unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priest, okay, religious leader, therefore, and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault with this man. My God, let me stop there. So at Gabbatha, Jesus suffered at the hand of sinners. They were all sinners, okay? Jesus suffering. We're talking about the sufferings of Jesus, y'all. Jesus suffered in our first point at, hallelujah, 
the Garden of Gethsemane. He suffered at the hands of the devil. The second suffering that Jesus suffered is in Gabbatha, and he suffered at the hands of sinners. He suffered at the hands of sinners. They tried to put, they put a, thorn, a crown of thorn on him. They beat him up. They put a mock robe on him. He was royalty, but they put a mock robe on him. They were not trying to honor him, this high priest, this son of God. Y'all excuse me. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, God. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. They made fun of Jesus. They put a crown of thorns on him. They put a mock robe on him, making a joke of him. Jesus was despised and rejected. Notice that he suffered for you and me, brothers and sisters. That's why we ought to love him. In Isaiah 53 and 3, Isaiah says, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. That's a good word from Isaiah. Trying to get myself together. Y'all pray for me. Because every time I think about how they beat our Jesus, it just breaks my heart. Jesus was betrayed by Judas and deserted by the disciples, the very ones who walked with him for three years. That can be found in Matthew 26, 47, 53. Matthew 26, 47 to 56. He was beaten by the temple guards. In Luke 20, I'm going to read that. In Luke 22, 63 and 64, he was beaten. Remember, Gabbatha, he was beaten. He, was, he suffered many things. That's what we're talking about, the sufferings of Jesus. And in this, he suffered at the hands of sinners. Okay? Now, look at what the temple guards did to our Lord. In Luke 23, 63, it says, And the men that held Jesus mocked him. The, G, the men that held Jesus, mocked him, and smote him. And when they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is it that smote thee? Rejected by the very people he came to save. In Matthew 27, 17 to 25, I'm not going to read it, but you do in your spare time as you continue to study this. Matthew 27, 17 to 25. In John 1, the Gospel of John 1 and 11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Jesus was scourged, brothers. Scourge is a a terrible beating. If you've ever seen somebody get jumped, that's kind of like a scourging. Amen. When one person fights them, and then when they get them down to the ground, you know how they kick them and they hit them, they throw bottles at them, throw bricks at them, they might even shoot them. That's That's a beat down, we call it. That's what they did to Jesus in Matthew 27 and 26. Then released, him, then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Now, now, now look, look at what's going on here, y'all. Look at what's going on here. 
They beat Jesus so bad he was unrecognizable. His face was battered and bruised. And then, as the custom was before Passover, they would, uh, the secular authority, those who, who were occupying Palestine, the Roman government, they would release a prisoner. But the crowd, instead of crying, release Jesus, they cried, release Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Barabbas was a murderer, it is said. Barabbas was a criminal. They chose a criminal, murderous man over the Lamb of God. And you can find that in verse 27 of Matthew, and I'm sorry, chapter 27 and verse 26. Pharaohs, also, Psalm 129 and 3. The, the plowers plowed unto my back. They made long their pharaohs. Have you ever seen that picture of that slave that had the back that was just so ridiculously disgusting because of all the times his master beat him? Then you can get an idea of how Jesus looked. There, if you beat a person so badly on their back and continue to beat and continue to beat and continue to beat, they developed these things called pharaohs. That's what that slave in that famous picture had, and that's what our Lord and Savior Jesus had. But the good thing about it is by those pharaohs, by, his, by the stripes uh, that they put on his back, you and I, brothers and sisters, Sister Hallelujah Martin, you and I, and all of those, Sister Cooper, all of those of us who are going through illness, by the stripes, they meant it for evil, but God turned it to good. By those stripes, they, they tried to brutalize them, but God turned that thing to good. And by those stripes, 2,000 and some odd years ago, we are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Lord, somebody ought to say hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. They, he was mocked by the soldiers. We're still talking about how he suffered at the hand of the sinner. He was mocked by the soldiers and crowned with thorns. His beard was plucked out of his face. That's in Isaiah 50 and 6. Let me read that. I gave my back to the, smith, the smiters and my cheeks to them. They plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. That's the prophecy of Isaiah. He was condemned to die. And that's found in John 19, 13 to 16. John, Gospel of John 19, 13 to 16. Jesus endured the pain, ladies and gentlemen, the agony, the suffering, and the shame, all because he loved you and all because he loved me. Hebrews 12 and 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and it sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we see Jesus suffering. Jesus suffered by what he suffered at the hands of Satan in Gethsemane. He suffered at the hands of sinners at Gabbatha. And here at Golgotha is our third one. He suffered at the hands of the sovereignty. He suffered at the hands of his father, our God. Then delivered he him unto uh, John 19 and 16. 
John 19 and 16. Let me read that. That's our third point. Next to the last point. John 19 and 16. Glory to your name, Lord. I hope y'all getting this. Then delivered he therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and they led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew Galgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him on either side, in either side, one to another, and Jesus in the midst. Okay? Our third point, Jesus suffered at the hands of sovereignty. In these verses, brothers and sisters, Jesus suffered at the hand of his own father. Let me fix that because you might say, well, how could his own father make him suffer? Hopefully after I'm done, you'll understand it better by and by. Since the beginning of time, God had never fully visited sin with 100% judgment. Let's read Romans 9 and 22 to prove that. What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endureth with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? In other words, what Paul is saying, what if God whipped our behinds the way we needed them to be, or they should have been, or they deserved to be? But because of his love and his grace and his mercy, we never get it the way we should get it. I told you all the story a long time ago. That's the difference between my mother and my father. When my mother told you she was going to whip you, she would give you grace. She might make you go out there and break the switch. But if you jump around long enough and say, no, mama, I ain't going to do it again. I ain't going to do it again. She might have some grace and say, don't do it again, boy. Go up there. And, make, you know, we might miss a meal. And she would end up bringing us later a peanut butter and jelly sandwich up to our room anyway because my mother had a whole lot of grace, but not my daddy. My daddy, if he told you he was going to whoop you, you had to work overtime and he got home 2 o'clock in the morning, he would wake you up, not with a peanut butter and a jelly sandwich. He would whip you up with some stripes, and you wouldn't go be healed with that. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. All right? My dad whipped us the way we deserved to be whipped, but my mother didn't. I'm not calling my mother God. I'm not calling my father Satan. I'm just saying it's a difference. Can you imagine if we got where we were supposed to be getting because of the word of God or according to the word of God? But there's always some grace and mercy. Someone tried to give me a compliment the other day and told me how strong I was because they know how much illness that I've been going through. I said, I'm only strong because I'm weak. And when I'm weak, I'm strong because I have the ability to lean on the Father. also said, if you get up every morning and you want to live, God will give you the strength to do that. And the reason I bring that up, brothers and sisters, is because most of us who are sick and later on in life, we are reaping what we sowed. There were times in my life where I drank a lot. There were times in my life where I burned a candle at both ends. There are times in, a life, in my life when I abuse myself. So I cannot complain about God being unfair to me now because my body has been abused by me. And a lot of us, some of us smoked all of our life, we got cancer. Some of us ate whatever we wanted to eat all of our life, we have diabetes and high blood pressure. Some of us were mean to folk and mean to our children, and now 
We're reaping the thing that nobody wants to be around us. You reap what you sow. God is not marked. Whatever you sow, you shall also reap. Amen. But there's this thing called grace that God has for all of us. And in spite of us reaping what we sow, God always, in my opinion, gives us grace enough to, to survive his wrath. And it's something called repentance. Okay? Something called repentance. You better, if you don't know that word, if you don't know how to do that word, you better learn how to do it quick, and you'll see the mercy of God. So let's get back, and that was just a free thing that God put on my heart. But let's get back to our final third word, Gavgatha, and he suffered at the hands of sovereignty. Okay? At Calvary, excuse me, at Calvary, God dealt with the sin issue fully and finally. And he did it in the in the body of his own darling begotten son. Number one, he was stripped naked. Matthew twenty seven and thirty five. Matthew twenty seven and thirty five. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. They ripped off. Matter of fact, that's the word that I'm preaching. They hung Jesus on the cross, and they ripped off his robe, and they threw him down, and they cast lots for him. They gambled on his robes. Number two, crucified, nailed to a cross, and hung up to die. Matthew 27 and 35, suffered at the hand of the sovereignty, and they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my raiments among them, and upon my vesture, I wrote, I'm sorry, I read that already, abandoned for a time by his own father, Matthew 27 and 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabbatini. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He suffered at the hands of sovereignty. Absolutely marred, brothers and sisters, beyond belief. Isaiah 50, 14 through uh, 14 tells us at the cross, Jesus was judged by the sins of the world. Not just the sins that were happening there on the cross or in Golgotha. He was being judged for the sins that Mankind did from all the way to Adam to that time to the end of time. Imagine that. For the first time ever, Jesus felt separated from the triune God. That's why he yelled out and said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? God cannot abide with sin. God had to allow Jesus to take sin upon him and die or the plan of salvation would not be finished. Hallelujah. At that very moment, don't miss this. If you haven't heard anything else I've said today, don't miss this. At that very moment, Jesus took upon the sins of the whole world, past, present, and future. He took everybody's sin everywhere for all times at the same time at that time. My God. No wonder he felt abandoned. He was absolutely marred. He felt alone. 
Hallelujah. He took the sin. Jesus paid it all, brothers and sisters. He paid it all for you, and he paid it all for me. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. He paid it all. He paid it all. All to him I owe. As the song says, sin has left its crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Conclusion, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, those three words, remember them. Put them in your heart. Gethsemane, Galgatha, hallelujah, hallelujah. Galgatha, Gabbatha, hallelujah, and Gethsemane. Those three words, very important words. There are places where Jesus suffered at the hands of Satan in Gethsemane, at the hands of the sinners at Gabbatha, in the hands of the sovereign at Golgotha. Finally, I praise the Lord, brothers and sisters, for all the suffering that he took for us. And I'm grateful that I'm loved to the degree by such a wonderful Savior like Jesus because he, he was willing to suffer and die for you and me. We are free to live. Gethsemane was Satan's hour, the hour of travail. Gabbatha was the sinner's hour, the hour of trial. Galgotha was the sovereign's hour, the, the hour of triumph. All three hours were one hour. All three hours were one hour. All, all three hours were our hour. He did what he did because of you. He did what his, he did because he loved us. He did what he did because he saw into the future and he saw us being forgiven. And when Satan tries to accuse you today, Jesus being seated at the right, seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us, he's praying for us. And when God looks upon us, he sees us in the vein of his son. He sees us having accepted the plan of salvation. He sees us as forgiven. When you look in that mirror, my brother, my sister, I don't know who you are. I don't care who you are. And you've done something wrong. Don't act like you didn't do it. And for God's sake, don't act like God don't know you did it. Repent. Hate what you did. Turn away from what you did. Be sincere. Don't repent just because you got caught. You ought to repent because your relationship with God is so close and so tight. When you commit a sin, there is a rebuking. There is a... Uh, hallelujah, not a guilty feeling because Satan does guilt. There is a conviction that you suffer because of, at the hands of the Holy Spirit, okay? The hour of triumph, all three hours were our hours, brothers and sisters, to, be glorif to, to glorify God, hallelujah, for what he did on the cross. He did what he did, again, because of you and me and the love he has for us. It sounds like a pretty good deal. And all you and I have to do is believe in our hearts, and confess with our mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead and we will be saved. And as I close this and open for discussion, if anybody has any questions or anything, as I close this, this week is about following Jesus to the path that God set for him to reach Calvary. Jesus suffered many things at the hands of many, at the hands of the enemy, who we call Satan at the hands of this place called Gabbatha, 
where the sinners began to abuse him, and even on the cross, his own Father, God the Father, our Father in heaven, allowed Jesus to suffer these things because he had to, not because he didn't love Jesus, not because he didn't want to save Jesus, because if Jesus hadn't died, we would not live and be in right fellowship with God. That's love. Going back, finally, 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 going back to what Jesus told Nicodemus. When Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and said, Master, truly you are a man of God because no one can say the things that you said unless God has sent him. Jesus stopped Nicodemus in his track with all the flattery and said, Verily, 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 I say unto you. In other words, truly, truly, I say unto you, lest a man be gone again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. That's what we strive for, salvation. That's what our church has to be about. After the pastor's anniversaries, after the church anniversary, that's man's stuff. After all of that, our assignment is to make sure we set an environment in our church where we're all servants and we're all under our shepherd and the shepherds under God and the people who come in there are being loved, not by bosses, but by servants. And let us all remember that, because every last one of us needed Jesus to die on the cross. So when God begins to bring those folk back to our church, and some new, some might be saved already, let us remember this story found in the Gospels about the crucifixion of Jesus, what he did for you, he can do for someone else. But most of all, let us love them because all the things I said tonight, all the things the Bible talks about in the gospel, it boils down to one simple word, and that word is love. God bless you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for Jesus' sufferings. We thank you for the Bible recording them. We thank you for understanding the brutality that Jesus suffered. And even though we have scripture that depicts it, and these, these gospel writers who wrote it down, we still don't fully understand how much Jesus suffered for you and for me. So help us to be grateful, God. Every time we have a, a chance to do something for the Lord in our church called Second Macedonia, every time we have a chance to do something for Jesus in this sin-sick and dying world, on our job, on our home, wherever it is, God, help us to remember what Jesus did for us and help us not to make excuses why we cannot do it. I'm sure Jesus wanted to, as he said, Father, if you're willing, give, uh, take this cup from me. I'm sure he wanted to give that cup back to God, but he didn't. He took the cup. And he did the right thing. And at the end, he said, it is finished. And then he said, Father, into thine hands I commend my spirit. The Bible says that after 40 days, he ascended back to heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. Help us to tell the story. Help us not to think of Easter or Resurrection Sunday as just a time to, to wear new clothes. It's, it's okay. If we want to buy new clothes, that's fine. But that's not what it's about. It's about remembering what the Lord did for us on not Easter eggs, not Easter hunks. We do that for the kids. It's fun for them. And there's nothing wrong with that, having fun. As long as we remind the children, this ain't 
what Easter is about. It's about a Savior who died but didn't stay dead. On the third day, he got up with all power. Help us to tell the story. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.